Hi, this is Steve Thomas, pastor of the First Baptist Church at Delray Beach. Welcome to our podcast. We study God's Word to apply it to our lives in order to make a difference in this life and in eternity. We hope you enjoy this message. We cry out, we cry out. You know, I I so appreciate the sentiment that, you know, what if Jesus wants to do something totally different today? Would you be ready for that? What if he wants to do something new in your life? That's what I believe this time is all about in our culture and our church. Thank you, Philip. I just believe there's something about to happen. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. This Wednesday night, we're going to be just praying. 633, pray first. It's our first one. We're going to do it the first of the month, first Wednesday of the month. This Wednesday night, right here, 633, live. And we're just going to pray. We're going to pray. We're going to seek the face of the Lord. We're going to repent. We're going to bring Him glory. We're going to pray for His kingdom to come. We're going to pray for Him to do exactly what He wants to do in our lives, in our church, in our community. We're going to make ourselves available. I encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, I just think it's so important in these days that we align ourselves with the God of the universe and what he's doing. And you may say, well, Steve, I don't know that I've ever prayed that way. Great, you'll be perfect. You'll be perfect. I want us to come expecting God to do something amazing among us. There's no meal. There's no other things. It's just that's all that's happening this Wednesday night, 633. Join us, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray. Also, online, there's a survey right now that has to do with future, and are we going to add a second service? Are we going to go outside as it gets cooler? Please check that out if you haven't already, fbcdelray.com. It's on our website. Love to hear from you as we seek to help people worship in these days. Everyone has a different set of circumstances, and when they consider, well, am I going to come live? Would it be better outside? What's my situation? Uh, we just want to make sure that we are doing everything we can to help people worship Jesus Christ. And it's great today to be able to gather in this room, in this place, with those who are following Jesus and to have you join us online to say, I want to worship Jesus. I want to see what he's up to, what he's going to do. We're in a series called Beyond Your Wildest Dreams. And the whole idea is that God wants to do something amazing. And that there's things out there that God wants to do that we're probably not even ready for, maybe not even expecting, and maybe even in the way of. See, I want us as a church, and I want me as an individual, as a pastor, to say, God, I'm ready. Let's go. Let's do something really cool and new and different. Let's, let's see something happen maybe we've never seen before. And it comes out of Ephesians chapter 3 when, when Paul says to the church, I'm praying for you to be strengthened in your inner man. I, I want that to happen so that the Spirit of Christ can dwell in you with power and so that you'll know the depth of his love, the height of his love, the width and the length of his love so that you'll be full of God, that he fills you with himself. And that's when he does. He says, praise be to God who can do exceedingly abundantly above what we could ask or think. I think 2020 is the perfect time for God to do exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. Amen? I mean, I, I just think, I think it is. I think he's got us ready. He's, God, you do something. We've done all we can. 
We've found our, the, the end of our ability. We've done all we can. God, we're trusting you now. We're on our faces before you saying, God, would you do something absolutely amazing? And this morning, we're going to look at a story about an astonishing event, an astonishing event. And my prayer is, as we get to the end of our time today, that you'll either be astonished or you'll be ready to be astonished. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 31. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 31. And we look at Jesus as he travels. And uh, we're in this, this, time, this part of Mark. Jesus is kind of making a little bit of a tour uh, he goes from the region around Galilee, Capernaum, it's on the, the north, northwest rim of the Sea of Galilee, and he makes a journey. Last week we talked about him being in Tyre and Sidon. And this week we see him go north, even further from his homeland, to Sidon, and then he makes an easterly swing, about 20, 30, 40 miles, goes beyond the Sea of Galilee, and then he comes south, he basically goes around his people, his homeland, and he leads his disciples on about a 160-mile journey to wind up in this region called the Decapolis. And he does this for a number of reasons. During this time, he is teaching his disciples. Can you imagine going on a seven-day hike with Jesus? What that would be like. Maybe seven, eight, maybe nine, ten days even as they travel these 160 miles. As they're, they're walking and he's teaching them. It's a great time to have them isolated from the people that they know, from their homeland, and to, to speak into their lives. It's a great road trip, if you will. How I many like road trips? I mean, those are good, right? You get to have these great conversations. You get to eat this horrible food, and you get to, get to, get to know each other, right? It's a great thing to do with your family. Uh, it's a great thing to just have spend that time with them, and Jesus is doing that as he's walking. But as always, Jesus has an intention. He wants to get to the Decapolis region, which is to the southeast of the Sea of Galilee. It's a, it's a Gentile region. He wants to get there because he has a purpose in where he's going. As we sung those songs about Jesus, how did you feel? You say, well, Steve, you know, following Jesus is not all about feeling. It's what I believe. No, listen, did you have a sense of awe of him? Did you have a sense of his presence? Sometimes in life, we just need to take time out to take a special journey with Jesus and to see what he's going to do. And that's what we're doing as we open his word. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 31. We'll read the whole passage, and then we'll come back and kind of walk through it. Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 31. The Bible says this, Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. And taking him aside from the crowd privately, he put his fingers into his ears and after spitting touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. And Jesus charged them to tell no one, but the more he charged them, the more they zealously proclaimed it. And they were astonished beyond measure, saying, He has done all things well, he even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. 
Let's pray. Father, as we've opened your word, would you open our ears? God, I pray especially for those who are listening today who believe they have a relationship with you but have never been astonished. Would you open their ears? It's something only you can do. Lord, speak through your word today. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. When you understand what Mark is all about, you have to remember what we talked about in the beginning, that Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Jesus gives his whole plan. He says this, he says, Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, and this is what Jesus is all about in one sentence, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus wants to proclaim this message everywhere he goes. That's why he's taking this journey with his disciples. That's why he's going to this region called the Decapolis. He wants to proclaim his message during his time on earth. And he comes down the coast and he lands in this place called the Decapolis, which would have been a Greek area. Decapolis means 10 cities, obviously, and what that means is these were Hellenized areas of the area right across the Jordan River from the land of Israel. So there would have been in this region some Jews, maybe some half-Jews, maybe some various, and every kind of person from around the world probably, and a very Gentile presence, and kind of a non-believer presence. But like the Syrophoenician woman last week, they would have known the story of Israel. They would have known the history of they would have known the predictions that were about to come to this land. And Jesus comes to this land of those who are far from him. And he wants to present his message. Look at verse 31 and 32. It says, He returned from the region of Tyre, and he went through Sidon to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the Decapolis. And they brought to him a man who was deaf and had a speech impediment, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. Jesus travels a long way to deliver his astounding message to those who are far from him. Know this, if you've ever had an encounter with Jesus, it's because he traveled a long way to deliver his astounding message because you were far from him. Amen. None of us deserved it, right? None of us said, oh, Jesus, I, 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 I just heard and I'm going to run and follow you and I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, it's all about me. That's, that's just really not scriptural at all. You always see Jesus in pursuit, right? He comes a long way to get us. He wants to deliver his astounding message even though we're far from him. I want to encourage you, if you're far from him today, he can still get to you. He wants to get to you. He wants you to respond, but it's because he pursues us that we have any opportunity of knowing him at all. If Jesus had never come to earth, we would never know anything about him. He's traveled a long way to deliver his astounding message to us when we were far from him. I hope that's incredibly encouraging today. But the second thing he does is notice what happens. The people, they deliver this guy to him. 
And Matthew tells another part of the same story, and we see Jesus setting down, and he is healing a lot of people. So they're bringing a lot of people to him. But Mark tells this one particular story. So Jesus is no doubt healing a lot of people, but they bring to him someone who is deaf and mute or who is deaf and has a speech impediment. So really probably what's happening is this is a guy who probably was born healthy, had some kind of an illness at the point where he could actually form words, loses his hearing, and doesn't speak well the rest of his life. So he could probably make uh, speak in some way, but it's probably relatively unintelligible. And they bring this one guy to him, and they're begging him to heal him. It's a really interesting situation. They're saying, Jesus is already healing people. Jesus, would you heal this one? We're begging you to heal this guy. We want you to do this thing. And what they're saying is, Jesus, would you be Jesus? Would you be the Christ? Would you be the Messiah? Even though we're not your people, would you be this great conquering king? Could we see that you're who you claim to be? You see, these people would have known the prophecy of Isaiah. In Isaiah 35, Isaiah is talking about this messianic coming, this, this coming king, and he's saying, listen, there's going to be a time when this king is going to come, and the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the mute will speak. And it's actually the same word in the Septuagint that says, refers to his speech impediment, this inability to talk plainly. And so I think what they're doing is they're saying, if he will heal this deaf mute, it'll match up with what Isaiah said, and he will be saying, I am the Messiah. They're wanting Jesus to be Jesus. They're wanting Jesus to be the Messiah. They're excited about that. They're begging, please do this so we can see that you're the one. Let me ask you, do you want Jesus to be king? Is there something in your life today where you say, Jesus, I need you to be king of this area. I need you to be the powerful, anointed Messiah to rescue me in this area. I want you to be king. That's really what these people far from God are asking him to do. He's already come. He's already there. And they're saying, hey, if he heals this guy, he's probably the Messiah. And so what does Jesus do? I love the scene. Here's this guy. He can't hear. He can't really speak. So what is you? And, and in those days, you would have been such an outcast. Really, you, nobody would have had much use for you. You can't really work. You can't listen to instruction. There really wasn't any probably actual sign language at that time. Wasn't any fancy hearing aids, any surgeries they could do for you. So you're pretty much kind of living in your own world. Far from God can't hear God, and here comes Jesus. Watch what he does, verse 33. And taking him aside from the crowd privately. Let me just stop there. Has Jesus ever taken you aside privately? Has he ever taken you aside gotten you away from everything that's going on in your life, gotten you away from all the challenges you face, all the things that kind of take up your time, has he ever gotten you aside privately and looked in your eyes and had an encounter? Has that ever happened? See, that's the kind of Jesus that we serve.
We don't serve some Jesus who's like, hey, there's a big crowd of you over here, and I'm just going to speak to you all, but I'm not really going to get involved individually. That's not the Jesus we serve. He has an individual encounter with us. And I love the way he just takes him aside. Can't you see him? I want to get you away from them. I want to make sure that, you're, that I'm communicating with you. And watch what he does. He put his fingers into his ears. Well, that seems pretty weird, doesn't it? He's going to put your fingers in. Here's what he's doing. This is his own version of sign language. He's saying to the man, I know your problem. I know what's wrong. I know exactly what you need. He touches his ears. Now, he doesn't heal them yet. He touches his tongue, likely spits on his hand. That's disgusting, especially in COVID. That's just terrible to even think about that, right? But again, he's communicating to the man, I know what's wrong. I know you've got an ear problem. I know you've got a mouth problem. And I'm here to heal you. And then what does he do? He, he looks up into heaven. I know what your problem is. The answer comes from heaven. It comes from God. And then he sighs. Almost as a pause. As a way to say, are you ready for what God is about to do in your life? He's communicating in a way that he will understand. Before he even heals him, he lets him know, I understand what your problem is. I want to communicate with you in a way you understand. Let me tell you, I've had this happen to me. I've spoken to deaf crowds before, and it's really an interesting situation. And I've had an interpreter interpret for me, and she's saying what I'm saying, I think, in sign language. But one of the things you never want to do in that case is you never want to ask them to bow their heads. Because if they do that, you've lost them. Because once they can't see you, they've lost you. They'll never get them back. Jesus doesn't do that. He touches his ears. He touches his tongue. He looks at heaven. And he sighs. Some of you may be right at that point right now. Jesus has let you know he knows what you need. He's drawn you in to look to him, to look to heaven. And now there's that sigh. And he's about to heal you. And then he says this word, epphatha, which is not a common word to us, but it's a word that requires a lot of diction. And it's a word that he probably could have lip-read very easily. Epphatha, there's a lot of lip movement there. And so he would have known what Jesus was saying, even though he couldn't hear it. And Jesus says, be opened, be opened. Jesus opens his ears. Jesus opens the ears of the deaf and fixes the tongue of those who cannot speak. Know this. If you know Jesus, if you've had an encounter with Jesus, it's because he has opened your ears. It's not something that you did on your own. He has opened your ears. I love that picture. The God of the universe is taking someone aside privately and saying, listen, pay attention. I know what your problem is. I've got the answer. I'm going to open it up for you. Verse 36. And Jesus charged them to tell no one. That always seems odd to us, doesn't it? 
Jesus, why don't you tell them to tell everybody? I want them to know. I want everyone to hear you're the incredible healer. You can open the, the eyes of the blind, the ears of the deaf. You can loose the tongue of the mute. You can do all this. We want to tell people we're excited. But the more he charged them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. So here's what Jesus is concerned about. And it happens today all the time. Jesus does not want to be known as a Greek healer. Get this. Jesus does not want to be known for just the simple fact that he can heal people. Because all that they have right now about Jesus is they believe he might be the Messiah. They know he can heal, but they don't know he can heal them spiritually and forever. See, so many times we get locked in on saying, Jesus, I want you to provide for my physical needs. I want you to provide for my financial needs. I want you to heal my body. And we go, that's really it. That's why when people just focus on health and wealth, it really bothers me because it totally cheapens who Jesus is. Amen? It's not enough. It's not enough if he gives you all the health and the wealth and everything you possibly could want on earth, but you die and go to hell. That's not nearly enough. See, Jesus has paid the ultimate price for the ultimate wealth. A place for you in his home. See, Jesus doesn't want them to get carried away and miss the whole message. He does want them to know him. And he's foreshadowing the message that his disciples will ultimately bring to them after the cross. But he doesn't want them to get carried away and miss who he really is. Verse 37, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. And again, quoting Isaiah, they see him as Messiah. He has done all things well, just like Genesis 1 and 2, and God looked at all of his creation and it was very good, right? He's done all things well. This is God's representative. So they got that part of it, but they just didn't know the rest of the story that Jesus would go and willingly pay the price on the cross for them and heal them of sin and bring them innocence. They didn't know that part. So you say again, Steve, why is this here? Why is, this, why is this story, why does Mark think it's so important that he puts it in Scripture for everyone to read forever? Here's what he's saying. We need to be astonished. We need to be astonished. When you think of being astonished, we think of some overwhelming thing we didn't expect, right? I mean, on a small scale, it's when you get out on the water and you see the dolphins for the first time that come out of the water, right? It's almost astonishing. You're like, it's incredible, and there's like everywhere. On a little bit larger scale, it's like when you, they hand you your baby for the very first time. It's an incredible moment. This is ours? I remember thinking, they're going to let us take this home? right? It, it's, it's astonishing that you would have that. It's astonishing. Maybe when you got into the school of your choice, maybe when you got the promotion you didn't expect, maybe when you got a windfall you didn't know was happening. There should be an astonishment that happens. But when you encounter the God of the universe and he takes you aside and he knows everything that's wrong with you, everything because he knows it all 
He knows everything you've ever done. He knows everything you've ever thought. He knows all of your tendencies, all the problems you have, all the sin you keep falling back on and falling back into. And he takes you by the arms. He says, I know your problem. And I've got the solution for you. And he opens your ears spiritually for the very first time. And he says, I want you to be my child. And he saves you. It's astonishing. I can still remember as a nine-year-old, 50 years ago come January. 50 years. I know I don't look that old. Thank you for saying that. I appreciate that. 50 years ago, I can remember being on the back row of a Baptist church with my mom, trying not to fall asleep in her lap, right? Because the preacher's yammering on and on. And I'm thinking, something's happening. You know what? I don't remember what the preacher said probably because my ears were not yet opened. But I do remember the grip of the Holy Spirit. I do remember that sense of, okay, God, I, I'm only nine. I'm really just looking forward to Little League season in a few months. You know, I'm just really, I'm only nine. And I remember that grip in my heart as the Spirit said, no, it's time for you. It's time for you to receive me. It's time for you to say yes to me. I'm opening your spiritual ears. You need to come and repent and believe. And you need to be one of my children. That's what I'm calling you to do. I don't rem- All I remember is he's just, dra- I feel like I'm being dragged down the aisle. It's a strong presence. A strong encounter. The God of the universe does in every life that he saves. And I got down to the front And I asked Jesus to save me. And I received his salvation. It was astonishing, the joy that came from that. I can remember 50 years later. Let me ask you. Have you had an encounter with Jesus? Has there been a time when you had an encounter with him? See, one of my greatest fears as a pastor is that people will hear me preach and be in our ministry for years and years and years and have never genuinely had an encounter with Jesus. Sometimes it's so easy, they, they, we just think, well, I like this lifestyle. These people tend to be moral people. They, they tend to do the right things. They tend to smile a lot. They make good food. We have fun. And that's just kind of what I'm into. And I really think I want to go to heaven. And we're going to sing about heaven in just a moment. But did you ever have that encounter? You see, one of the things that happens in church, when a church really doesn't seem to have much power, is you wonder, did everyone really have that encounter with Jesus? Or are we still waiting for that to happen? Maybe that encounter was so long ago, you need to recover that. Maybe it was real, but it was so long ago that you don't really remember and you don't really think about it much. You kind of feel like, you know what, I I got saved and I remember that encounter. It was powerful, but really I thought the rest of my life I was kind of on my own and that Jesus was kind of a deistic God who's far away but not really engaged in my life. Who cares, but isn't really involved. That's not who he is, folks. You see, encounters with Jesus should happen all the time. That's why we gather for worship. Encounters with Jesus should be something that's a part of your life. Have you had an an astonishing encounter with Jesus? 
has that happened? Has he opened your ears, loosed your tongue so that you can share the incredible story of Jesus, so you can be an example, so you can help others around you? Has that happened? I want to encourage you. I've been begging Jesus all week that he would open our ears today. That he would open our ears so that we can hear, we can take in what we could not understand otherwise. He would speak to us in a way that, that we could understand and open our ears so that we could receive his salvation. So that if anyone is listening and anyone who is present, and very likely there are many who've never had that encounter. You see, if you're not astonished by what Jesus has done in your life, I'm not sure you've had that encounter. It's an amazing thing. It's not enough just to live a good life, folks. It really doesn't matter. It really doesn't count unless you've received a new birth. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. What about you? Have you had an astounding encounter with Jesus? Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to support this ministry, go to our website at fbcdelray.com. Also, click the share button so you can share this message with a friend or someone in need as we seek to know Jesus, to know others, and to make him known. We cry out, we cry out.